Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report with me, Janine Moloff, the producer and host. Now, I apologize. Yesterday, we tried to run the show. I'm going to tell you that right now. We did and went through the whole thing, went to go look at it, nothing there. I really don't know what's going on at Blog Talk Radio, but... They need to get their act together. So what I'm doing today is taking the same show, tweaked it a little bit, and I'm running it today. And so this is really by the seat of my pants. Again, gentle reminder, this is a live show. There is no editing after the fact or during. This is as as I'm doing the show right here, right now. So any critics, well, you know what, if you can do better, have at. So anyway, we've got a lot of stuff going on today, and I'm aware of the fact that, uh, you know, Progressive News Network started out in Florida, its base is in Florida, and when I joined the show back, I think, in 2019, I was uh, invited by the news director and founder, Rick Spizak, and uh, I brought a Midwestern flavor to it, okay, so now it's based in St. Louis, Missouri, and since usually we do focus a lot on either national issues or things in Florida today, we're focusing on Missouri again. And this one here is about, again, the GOP, Republicans. Those of you that are unaware what GOP stands for, it means grand old party. Let me tell you something, babies. They ain't nothing grand about the Republican Party. It's the same party it always was. It is for the rich and no one else. Uh, don't be fooled by it. But today the show... We have basically, let's see, one, two, three, three stories, and then, of course, our fun segment. So the first story, we have three stories. The first story and the title of this segment is Missouri GOP, in other words, Republicans in the state legislature, defund our state libraries, and then they ban being trans. I didn't intend to rhyme. It just came out that way. So yesterday's broadcast didn't record, as I said a few minutes ago, so now I'm re-recording the show. Now, the Republicans in the Missouri legislature not only defunded the state libraries, I mean reducing what they get from the state to zero, but they've done so in direct political retaliation against librarians and this library group, Missouri Librarians Association, daring to use their First Amendment rights. The librarians have sued the state with the ACLU handling the case pro bono. This is significant because the man leading the charge to basically strip our libraries of any funding at all, uh, State Representative Cody Smith, his excuse was that they're not going to use state funds to sue the state, except they're not using state funds, Mr. Smith, you little freaking moron. Uh, pro bono means the ACLU is handling the case for free. I get a little wound up about this. That's our first story. This, and, and today we have to rush through. We have 90 minutes or less. The second story is about the new Missouri Attorney General. His name's Andrew Bailey, and he has essentially banned gender-affirming care in the state, not only for minors, but for all consenting adults. Now, the barriers to this care basically serve to deny care. That, that's actually the, you know, the effect of this, this 
safety precaution ban. Now, there's a common thread that goes through both of those stories, and it deals with censorship, and specifically censorship used to serve religious fundamentalists, and as such are unconstitutional. And when I say religious fundamentalists, I'm not talking about uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews, and I'm not talking about fundamentalist Islam, and I'm not talking about Buddhists or Hindus that are fundamentalists. I'm talking about Christian fundamentalists, period. All right? And, you know, we have a Republican Party, especially here in the Bible Belt in the Midwest, that claim there's no such thing as separation of church and state. Or you hear someone a little more on, like, Lauren Boebert talking about how, I'm tired of all that separation of church and state junk. Well, you would think that since Mr. Bailey, the Attorney General, is an actual attorney, he would know quite simply especially if he claims to be a constitutionalist, uh, what do they call themselves, a, um, a, conser- a, constitution- a conservative constitutionalist. Well, most people that claim that mantle are either what are called textualists or originalists, meaning that they take the document of the Constitution literally, you know, in concrete terms. Well, Mr. Bailey is unaware of the fact that the First Amendment, there's a little thing called the Establishment Clause, which basically says that government can't establish a religion or favor religion, but they can't prevent you from believing either. There's your separation of church and state, you freaking bunch of bigoted morons. I'm sorry, I just can't stand this anymore. Okay, there's my rant. Let's get on with, you know, with this show. And again, it's unconstitutional. Now, we, do, we have a new feature now, and it's our editorial corner. And this one is about the corporate media self-censorship. Now, recently, the last, I think it was the last Nuremberg prosecutor, a man by the name of Ben Ferenz, passed away, and his obituary was featured in newspapers all over the world. And he really believed in holding fascists accountable, and he followed through. But not a single one of those mainstream read corporate media outlets, either print or broadcast or televised or online, mention the very clear fact of Mr. Ferenz's life, that he had an ongoing campaign to hold not only Bush administration officials accountable, but hold George W. Bush accountable for what he considered the, to be an illegal war in Iraq. No mention, like it never existed. Again, nothing like historic revisionism, right? Then we also have the my little favorite, my little Margie segment, in addition to the despicable list of infamy, and of course our famous Jackass of the Week Award. And this week it's a twofer. The the initiate not only uh, was going to be added is, is added to the despicable list of infamy but is also our jackass of the week. So let's move on. And hopefully this works today. All right, story number one. There is a piece in Truth Out, which is a wonderful um, publication. And basically this story is how the Missouri Republicans, Missouri GOP, let me start again. I'm having a few disfluent moments here, so give me a second. President Biden isn't the only person who stutters on occasion. I do, too. So 
The Missouri GOP-dominated legislature voted to fully defund public libraries in political retaliation for a lawsuit brought by the Missouri Librarians Association. And we're going to go straight to that piece. And I'm hoping this works, okay? Okay, so this is direct political retaliation. This is a piece that ran April 12th, April 12th uh, by Chris Walker. And again, um, the headline is Missouri State House Republicans Passed Budget Bill That Removes Library Funding. And the subheadline is Republicans are retaliating against the librarians organization for suing the state over a law on book banning. The book bans in Missouri are really bad. There's some 300 book titles that have been banned in Missouri uh, in our schools. Make no mistake about it. Uh, um, the titles that they banned, it, it's, it's absurd what they banned, okay? Include like a, uh, an award winner like Mouse, spelled M-A-U-S, which explains the horrors of the Holocaust in a way that a child could understand without terrifying them too much. Instead of people, the Holocaust victims are mice, and I believe the Nazis, I forget, they're either cats or rats or something, Um, but it explains it in a way, and again, there's no reason to ban it legitimately except that we have a bunch of white Christian nationalists here that not only are racist, but they're also religiously bigoted as well. They're anti-Semitic. They don't want to be called that, but they are. They're anti-Semitic, a lot of them. Uh, they don't want to face the truth about the Holocaust. You know, they just don't. Okay. Uh, sorry about that, folks. Lost my place here. All right. So basically, there's some $4.5 million in money, in funds, that would have been included in the library budget for libraries throughout the state of Missouri, public libraries, and it was reduced to zero. And that is as documented by heartlandsignal.com. The cuts were proposed by State Representative Cody Smith, who is a Republican. Mr. Smith is also the chair of the House Budget Com- the State House Budget Committee. Now, why did Mr. Smith do this? Well, it was done in direct political retaliation over a lawsuit. I'm, I'm going to read this exactly as written in, um, in Mr. Uh, Walker's text. Quote, the stripping of funds for public libraries was done in retaliation over a lawsuit brought forward by the Missouri Library Association, MLA, which along with the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, is suing over a draconian law that bans hundreds of titles in public school libraries, including books that discuss LGBTQ issues, racial justice, and the history of the Holocaust. Any school official, including librarians, who fails to comply with the law could be fined up to $2,000 and or be imprisoned for up to a year. End quote. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, if you're a law-abiding person... Um, and especially if you're an educator, you know, there is a, uh, like it's, it's an ethics clause, so to speak. And if you're found to be, you know, guilty of not just breaking the law, but questionable ethics, it's not like a business person where you can go back to business. You not only would go to jail, but you'd lose your, all your licensure to teach forever. 
This ruins people's lives because, again, these white Christian nationalists don't want to be faced with the ugly truth. They want to be told that they are perfect and everybody else is nuts. All right, I'm being facetious, but you get the drift here. Now, the budget, as of as far as I know today, hasn't been passed in the Senate yet. Um, Republicans, in all fairness, in the state Senate, at least some of the leaders, have said that they would restore the cuts, including to the library. Um, but, again, that level of, you know, a promise was made before the budget, before the House passed that questionable budget. Now, State Senator Lincoln Huff, who is a Republican, was quoted as saying, quote, there is no way that money is not going back into the budget. And that's as documented by stlouistoday.com. Okay. Now, we don't know if that's really going to happen or not. Um, Mr. Smith, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to read this straight from the article. And this is as documented by heartlandsignal.com in Truthout. Quote, Smith has claimed, Representative Cody Smith, the chair of the House Budget Committee, quote, Smith has claimed that the reduction of funds for public municipal libraries was needed to ensure the MLA couldn't use state funds to help subsidize its lawsuit. However, the ACLU is not actually charging the MLA any fees, but providing legal aid pro bono, thus rendering the GOP lawmakers' concerns moot, uh, end quote. In other words, ACLU is handling this case for free, which means there are no state funds subsidizing the lawsuit. Mr. Smith knows better, all right? He knows this. He just doesn't want the law. This is direct political retaliation against people that are not fundamentalists daring to demand their First Amendment rights. Okay? Um, Let's see now. And... I'm reading here. This goes on to say, and it's documented by justia.com. The Missouri Library Librarians Association noted that wiping out funding to libraries is also unconstitutional in terms of the Missouri State Constitution because the state's highest governing document, in other words, the Missouri State Constitution, uh, has a policy to, quote, accept the obligation, end quote, of funding its institution, institutions, and that's as documented by lawjustia.com, Constitution, Missouri, Article 9, Section 10. Okay? Uh, the MLA also said in a statement, according to heartlandsignal.com, quote, library funding is guaranteed in the Missouri Constitution. This tactic meant to bully MLA into submission instead directly harms public libraries who rely on those funds, especially the smaller, more rural libraries, end quote. Now, there are other commentators that spoke out against defunding the libraries. Um, James Tager, who is the research director for PEN America, and PEN America is a group that really covers um, censorship and other free speech uh, uh, issues. Mr. Tager wrote in an op-ed published in the Missouri Independent the following, quote, This newest budget proposal needs to be opposed by all readers, writers, community advocates, and yes, okay, let me read again. Tager wrote the following, quote, this newest budget proposal needs to be opposed by all readers, writers, community advocates, and yes, parents. 
But further, the book banning amendment within SB 775 needs to be repealed. It hurts Missouri's librarians, it hurts their communities, and it hurts their kids, end quote. And it does, all right? Um, Okay, so Mr. Tager didn't write that last issue. Let me backtrack. Okay, I'm getting used to new glasses. I made a mistake. I will admit it. So backing up a little bit here because I had to slap this together quickly. James Tager, research director for PEN America, wrote an op-ed that was published this week in the Missouri Independent. And in that op-ed, among other things, he said, quote, this newest budget proposal needs to be opposed by all readers, writers, community advocates, and, yes, parents. Okay. The writer of the Truth Out article basically said that the book banning amendment that's in SB, in other words, Senate Bill 775, needs to be repealed because it hurts everybody. And it does because it is – and S, the book banning amendment in SB 775 is an egregious, an egregious violation of the First Amendment regarding free speech and um, free expression rights. So, all right, there were some other criticisms that were more severe, okay? Um, LeVar Burton, y'all remember him? Okay, the Jordy LaForge on uh, on Star Trek The Next Generation, okay? That's what I remember. But that's, you know, LeVar Burton, the actor, and he has hosted um, the uh, popular PBS children's program reading rainbow for decades now and he tweeted a response and normally uh lavar burton is very you know polite and you know just you know kind of calm but here's what he tweeted in response to the budget bill quote good morning to everyone except missouri house republicans this bullshit has to stop three exclamation points end quote oh you gotta love it right that is so, but it's the truth, okay? So getting back to the story here. Now, you have to realize, too, this is direct political retaliation. Take a little water here. And not only is it in a, an obvious sense an egregious violation of the First Amendment and its political retaliation, but there was even a Supreme Court decision that spoke to political retaliation, governmental political retaliation against employees who dare use their First Amendment rights. And this was a 2006 case. Uh, The case was called Hartman v. Moore. Okay? And I have two – and so basically um, this was – I have documentation. Okay, my computer's giving me a headache again from supreme.justia.com as well as caselaw.finelaw.com okay so what Hartman v. Moore said is that the very idea of direct government retaliation against anyone criticizing a politician but especially an employee you know a public employee constitutes a direct attack on the free speech provision of the first amendment The Supreme Court, in the case of Hartman v. Moore in 2006, forbade such political retaliation as unconstitutional. The court specifically stated that, quote, official reprisal for protected speech offends the Constitution because it threatens to inhibit exercise of the protected right. 
The decision goes on to explain that, quote, the law is settled. That means it's accepted. Quote, the law is settled that as a general matter, the First Amendment prohibits government officials from subjecting an individual to retaliatory actions, including criminal prosecution speaking out. So Republican Representative Cody Smith and his, I'll just call him, fellow travelers are in violation of that principle. I hope that they enjoy the many lawsuits that will be coming their direction. Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Smith should be actually um, removed from office because, once again, he has flagrantly uh, violated the First Amendment and doesn't really seem to care. And, and here's the thing about Republican conservatives, especially here in the Bible Belt, especially if they're Christian nationalists, white Christian nationalists, they, they like to pick the parts of the First Amendment that they want to follow and obey and, the, and then discard the others. And so they love the part of the First Amendment that says you have religious rights to you know, worship as you please. They reject the Establishment Clause, clause that says the government can't force religion down your throat, any specific religion at all. And they reject the free speech part because, again, these are Christ, white Christian fundamentalists who really stupidly think everything is obscene, all right? They want to turn the clock back, not a couple hundred years, but a thousand years, okay? My opinion, I'll stand by it. So that was our first story. Today is kind of a quickie show because, once again, you know, Blog Talk Radio has some issues. <laughs> All righty. Story number two. This is how the Missouri Attorney General issued a near ban on gender-affirming care, not just for minors, but for consenting adults, which he has no damn right to do. You know, we can argue about whether or not minors can get certain types of care, and that really should be a conversation between their physicians and their the, the the minor in the minor that's going through this and their parents it's none of the government's damn business but you want to argue that because they're minors okay but consenting adults no mr bailey you've no goddamn right to decide what consenting adults can do with their bodies but he does so we're going to turn to the story this is from axios and it's a story written by serene habeshian And it was published April 13th. The headline is Missouri AG Attorney General Issues Order Limiting Gender-Affirming Care. So he issued some new regulations, an emergency regulation that severely limits any gender-affirming care for both, not only for minors, but also for consenting adults. Now, so... You know, ACLU, again, and Lambda Legal made an announcement that they are going to take legal action to challenge this order. Uh, They claim that this order by Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey is, quote, unfair, deceptive, fraudulent, or otherwise unlawful. Um, Okay, let me back up a little bit. I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Okay, trying to go too fast again. Ugh, I'm so mad at Blog Talk Radio. Anyway, driving the news. The ACLU and Lambda Legal are announcing that they'll take legal legal action to challenge the order, 
and that's just documented by Lambda's um, Lambda Legal's Twitter account, as well as ago.mo.gov. That's the order itself. And, you know, basically the order is claiming, Mr. Bailey is claiming that, quote, it's, quote, unfair, deceptive, fraudulent, or otherwise unlawful to provide a gender affirm care to patients without informed consent and lengthy evaluations. And this is as written in Axios, end quote. Um, the reality check is that many groups of health experts say that the majority of anti-trans state bills are based on, quote, scientifically inaccurate information. And let's see now. In fact, gender-affirming care, I'm reading straight from the article right now, quote, gender-affirming care is endorsed by medical groups, including the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Endocrine Society, and the World Health Organization, end quote. But apparently, Mr. Bailey, who's just another attorney, knows more than all these physicians throughout the world. Now, talk about arrogance. So why is Bailey doing this? Because if you put up – remember the early days before Dobbs when the states put up all these barriers to obtaining an abortion to slow it down? And eventually it became illegal. Well, that's what Bailey's doing right now. Okay, he's putting up all these barriers that not only will cost more money than a lot of people can afford, but just barriers to getting gender-affirming care. And the order, according to the Axios, quote, the order institutes a three-year waiting period. I'm going to read that again. This is straight from Axios, the details. From the Axios article, quote, the order institutes a three-year waiting period for medical intervention and requires psychological or psychiatric assessment. It goes on to say, quote, the assessments must consist of at least 15 sessions over 18 months, at least 10 of which must be with the same therapist, to, quote, explore the developmental influences on the patient's current gender identity and to de determine, among other things, whether the person has any mental health comorbidities, end quote. It goes on to say, quote, those who transition would be required to get medical follow-ups for 15 years. Okay, end quote. Now, according to the Axios article, no other type of care requires this type of waiting period. None. Where does Mr. Bailey and these conservatives get the cojones where do they where do they think they are they do not have the right to make these demands on consenting adults and look at what they put here when they connect it to mental health comorbidity okay what they're trying to say is that people that are trans are you know mentally ill maybe even dangerous that's what they're trying to say and when you put that together with calls to basically take people that are mentally ill and throw them into asylums. This is a good way to get rid of the trans community now, isn't it? It's really evil. Now, the new rules also claim that the patient must, must ensure they, quote, received a comprehensive screening to determine whether the patient has autism, end quote. What the freak? Autism has nothing to do with being trans. Nothing. 
Mr. Bailey is totally out of line here. Um, it goes on to say, quote, it does not specify, this is from the Axios article again, quote, it does not specify whether this means that people with autism would be banned from treatment. Representatives for the Attorney General did not immediately respond to Axios request or comment to clarify this, end quote. Okay, so this is his, this is Attorney General Andrew Bailey's emergency rule. And, you know, it is based on erroneous statements. Okay, it just is. So basically, the ACLU of Missouri and Lambda, or the Lombada Legal, I'm sorry, I thought it was Lambda, it's Lombada Legal, issued a joint statement. And one of the um, quotes from the statement is this, quote, the Attorney General's so-called emergency rule is based on distorted, misleading, and debunked claims and ignores the overwhelming body of scientific and medical evidence supporting this care, as well as the medical experts and doctors who work with transgender people every day, end quote. They go on to say, quote, we will defend the rights of transgender people through any necessary legal action, just as we have done in other states engaging in this anti-science and discriminatory fear-mongering. Okay. So this article goes on to say uh, that the fact that these anti-trans lawmakers want to block all access to these services, not just restrict care to minors, but also to adults, is proof right there that, you know, they just want to block any care. They, they, don't, they want the trans people to go away. That's all there is to it. So the article has been updated with comment from the ACLU of Missouri in Lombada Legal. Okay. So this is really, I'm going to go to their statement, actually. We've got a little time here. Okay. Um, let's see if we can find it here. Okay, it's just the same thing I, I read here. It goes on to say the ACLU of Missouri also said in their Twitter feed that, quote, any person affected by this regulation on gender-affirming care is welcome to contact the legal help desk at, oh, at Lambda Legal, I was right the first time, or the ACLU of Missouri for more information on their legal rights and local resources. Okay. And this is really just all about prejudice, nothing else. Nasty, ugly bigotry. And it's really important because what you're really dealing with is the fact that, and it ties into, you know, our jackass of the week as well, it ties into statements by other, uh, I'll just say it, bigoted conservatives that want to call out people that are trans as medically ill. And then you follow, you know, you you go down the rabbit hole and you see that what they're really aiming for is you say that they're going to say that trans people are medically ill. I mean, I'm sorry, um, mentally ill. And then further down the rabbit hole, they're going to say, well, you know, these mentally ill people are dangerous and we're going to throw them away in asylums. And then basically anyone who is trans 
any member of the LGBTQ community will be lumped in as somebody that needs to go to an asylum. Any liberals or progressives that believe in the Constitution will be lumped as well. Okay, this rabbit hole is, it follows the same bogus thinking as, you know, what the Nazis did. And as a Jew who lost family in the Holocaust, yes, I can say that without cheapening that particular claim. Furthermore, I'd like to know exactly when did Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey earn his medical degree? You know, produce it, sir. If you can't produce it, then you need to shut your damn pie hole. But once again, Andrew Bailey is known for running on faith. Who's faith? Okay? I'm going to tell you right now, as one of the few Jews here in Missouri, it is difficult to be a religious minority here in the Bible Belt. All right? The proselytizing is nonstop. And you can't look at them the wrong way. And I, I've just said my fill, okay? You know, I remember, I, this is an aside, I heard, I, you know, I tutor on the side, and I heard from, I have clients all over, and, you know, in larger cities, whether it's New York or New Orleans, whatever, there are schools and there are employers that, you know, especially schools that, for Passover, it corresponds with spring break or, um, what was it, I was talking to, I think it was staff members um, for Jamal Bowman, which is lovely. And they said, well, you know, everybody's gone. They get a week off for Passover. I'm going, huh, what? Because you're actually not supposed to work during that time. But, you know, the bottom line is this. Here in the Bible Belt, you're not only not going to get that time off for Passover or Ramadan, but if you dare to not show up, they're going to fire your ass. Because the only holidays that count here in the Bible Belt are Christian. And if that sounds like I'm being intolerant, I really don't care. I just don't. You know, I've heard so much ignorance here, it's beyond the pale. This is not New York. It's not Florida. These people here, the, the ignorance is beyond the pale. You know, they these are people that think, they invented the Ten Commandments, not Moses receiving the law on, at Sinai. I mean, it, it's sad. All right. So that's that story. Again, um, I hope that Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey also enjoys all the vicious lawsuits coming his way. As an attorney, he knows better. But again, he is appeasing the bigots the white Christian nationalist bigots of the Republican Party, calling them for what they are. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't listen. Okay, but unlike Fox and the others, we actually cite our sources. And when I make a mistake, I'll admit it. All right, let's move on to our editorial corner. Might not do this every time, but it's something new. Trying some new stuff here. And I found out about this story from my new friend, who is one of the founders of Project Censored, Mickey Huff. He posted on Facebook, God bless him, love Project Censored, love, love, love. If you've never heard of it, just Google it, buy their book, because this is the news that either didn't make the news or was severely underreported. And the thing is, the stories they select in Project Censored, the documentation is so good, you could use it in a doctoral dissertation. 
Okay? This is the real deal. All right, let's move on. So this was, this is, I call this the whitewashing of Benjamin Ferenz. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly or not. The story was in The Intercept, and I think it was written by John Schwartz. And the headline is Obituaries for Nuremberg Prosecutor Erases Beliefs About the U.S. And so this, this deals with the glaring omission of Ferenz's ongoing demands to prosecute George W. Bush and his administration, um, his administration heads that were involved in pushing the illegal Iraq war. And it talks about, you know, censorship of a very dangerous sort. So let's go to it. That was right. It was written by um, by John Schwartz. Uh, the subheadline is Benjamin Ferenz repeatedly said George W. Bush and his administration should be tried for the Iraq War. Now this was published April 12th. Apparently a week earlier, Benjamin Ferenz died at the ripe old age of 103. God bless. He was the last surviving member of a team of prosecutors, I'm reading straight from this, okay, quote, Benjamin Ferenz died last week at the age of 103. Ferenz was the last surviving member of the team of prosecutors at the Nuremberg trials after World War II, which led to the convictions of many top Nazi officials and since been understood as the exemplar of justice for war crimes, end quote. Now, for those of you that haven't been taught in history class about Nuremberg, and I'm sure they have, and I know Missouri isn't teaching it. The Nuremberg trials were trials, uh, war crimes trials, and they were holding the Nazis accountable for crimes against humanity, specifically not only in the war, but specifically dealing with the Holocaust. Okay? Now, Ferenc was serving in the U.S. Army during the war, um, and then at the end, after the war was done, he investigated, he investigated conditions at various concentration camps, namely Buchenwald, Mauthausen, and Dachau. And then he spent the rest of his life, you know, ferociously advocating for the idea of an international criminal court and accountability for all war criminals, period. Now, it should be noted, it's not in the article, but I'm noting it, that the, there is an international criminal court. The United States is not a signatory. We should be, but we're not. Now, those facts appear in Ferenz's obituary. No big deal, okay? What's missing is Ferenz's belief that, again, quote, top members of the George W. Bush administration, including Bush himself, should have been tried for war crimes for the Iraq War, end quote, and we're talking about this obituary. None of these obituaries ran that, including the New York Times, Washington Post, BBC, The Guardian, Reuters, the Associated Press. None of them. Now, the writer of this article, John Schwartz, explains this wasn't hard information to find. It wasn't like the, these mainstream corporate media entities were having a hard time finding this information. It was really easy to find. In fact, in 2002, the New York Times published a letter to the editor that Ferenz wrote. And Ferenz clearly stated that, quote, a preemptive military strike on Iraq not authorized by the Security Council would clearly violate the U.N. charter that legally binds all nations, end quote. 
Then a year later, in 2003, Ferenz was interviewed, and this is as documented by his website, benferenz.org, and Ferenz said the following, quote, the invasion by the U.S. of Iraq, I think, would also qualify under the Nuremberg principles as a violation of international law. If you're going to have that kind of factual of a factual situation as we have in Iraq, I think that the first trial should be a trial which is absolutely fair and should include all the principal perpetrators and planners of the crimes which occurred, end quote. Not hard to find. Ferenz also wrote the foreword to a book published in 2009, and the title of the book was, quote, George W. Bush, War Criminal, question mark. The Bush administration's liability for 269 war crimes. Not hard to find. Ferenz also wrote the foreword to another book titled, quote, Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq. So how did mainstream media, corporate media, respond? Well, the New York Times published an obituary of almost 2,000 words. Not a single mention of any of this. It did include the, set, the following sentence, quote, Critics say the International Criminal Court has focused on prosecutions in Africa while American wars have not even been investigated, end quote. But without mentioning that one of the most vocal critics was Ferenz himself in his own obituary. Now, the Washington Post obituary for Ferenz, 1,500 words, and it does make a mention that after Nuremberg, quote, he devoted much of the rest of his life to the cause of international justice, end quote. That's it. There, the Washington Post also quoted Ferenz at Nuremberg as saying, quote, death was their tool and life their toy. If these men be immune, then law has lost its meaning and man must live in fear, end quote. But not a single mention of Ferenz's criticism about the Iraq war being illegal and George W. Bush and members of administration being war criminals. Nothing. The BBC, they ran an obit. They said, quote, in his later years, he became a professor of international law and campaigned, from an international, and campaigned for an international court that could prosecute the leaders of governments found to have committed war crimes writing several books on the subject, end quote. But was there a mention of Ferenz's criticism of the Iraq war being illegal or criticism of W? Nope, nothing. Writers, okay? What Ferenz had to say about Iraq or George W. Bush, not mentioned. The Guardian, now the Guardian usually is pretty good about stuff like this. They did say in his obit that, um, you know, Ferenz was guided, Ferenz was, quote, guided by his motto, law, not war. Ferenz was still giving television interviews last year, arguing that those responsible for atrocities in Ukraine must be brought to trial, end quote. Ferenz's criticism of Iraq and George W. Bush, nowhere to be found. CNN. You get the you see there's a pattern emerging here. Uh, they mentioned Ferenz's words on Ukraine, but not Iraq. National Public Radio, NPR, didn't say a single word about Iraq. Not once. 
at all. The list continues. CBS, Bloomberg, New York Daily News, The Guardian, again, Associated Press, UPI, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, Le Monde, The New York Post, The Daily Mail, and The New York Sun. Nada. You would think that these newspapers were all situated, what, in China, in North Korea? Okay. Now, Yahoo News, hardly a major news source. They did say that forensic principles led him to, quote, strongly criticize the George W. Bush administration for its wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and for what he described as a refusal to abide by international norms, end quote. But there's no information, no information at all that, you know, regarding friends wanting to see Bush W. and his, and his uh, administration heads tried in a court of law. Nothing. They've basically erased Forenz's, uh criticism of not only the illegal Iraq war, but criticism of George W. Bush and his administration. That's it. And that's very dangerous. Now, um, there was a speech that um, Ferenc, I think Ferenc gave just at the begin, just as the Iraq War was beginning, and Ferenc reminded the audience that the United Nations Charter, quote, is international law, binding on all nations. We owe it to the memory of the dead to honor these commitments to peace, end quote. Okay? But once again, there, you've got this whitewashing of friends. Now, I'm aware of the fact that George W. Bush's uh, reputation has really been whitewashed. You know, after all, he's gum buddies with Michelle Obama. You know what? I don't really care. Painting, eh, halfway decent portraits like a cartoonist. And, you know, he's just enjoying life. Okay. And again, George W. Bush's gum buddies with Michelle Obama. Who gives a freak? That doesn't negate the many war crimes and the many crimes of George W. Bush. I mean, let's face it, 9-11 happened on his watch. And what happened during 9-11? The military was ordered to stand down. I don't care who, at the end of the day, it was W's responsibility, and he failed. And then that 9-11 made it very convenient to push the Patriot Act, which is nothing patriotic about it, which basically reduced our Bill of Rights to a bill of really nice suggestions. In some ways, W has done, has committed more egregious crimes than even Donald Trump. They're at least equal. So, which, you know, you can like someone personally, but it really makes me wonder about Michelle Obama. It's like, how can you be buddies with this criminal? I'd like to know. Either that or she could at least issue a statement saying, you know what, you can like a person as an individual and still, you know, still want to hold them accountable for, you know, the things they've done that are wrong. But, you know, again, 
W gets this new halo because, once again, he's gum buddies with Michelle Obama. How sweet is that? Good Lord. How freaking stupid are the American people? I'd like to know. I'm not allowed to say that on Facebook anymore. You know, that that's the other, it's a, a little aside. Um, but I, I think I saw a post that was incredibly idiotic on Facebook, and I think I wrote a statement that was simply the, you know, the stupidity of the American people is unfathomable, something like that. Facebook called it hate speech. I kid you not. So I can at least say it on air, at least for right now, um, and be heard. You know, so once again, this article by John Schwartz did cite a, um, a quote by um, Chief Justice Robert Jackson, who was the judge that was basically overseeing the Nuremberg trials. And uh, Robert Jackson, the Chief Justice, said the following quote. If certain acts of violation of treaties are crimes, they are crimes whether the United States does them or whether Germany does them. And we are not prepared to lay down the rule of criminal conduct against others, which we would not be willing to have invoked against us. We must never forget that the record on which we defend these, I'm sorry, we must never forget that the record on which we judge these defendants is the record on which history will judge us tomorrow. To pass these defendants a poison chalice is to put it to our own lips as well, end quote. You know, and by the end of Ferenza's life, he did understand why Jackson's, Judge Jackson's confidence was kind of misplaced, according to John Schwartz, the author of this article. Um, and, I, and, you know, Ferenza said the following, quote, no country that prefers to use its power rather than the rule of law, will vote for the rule of law. It's logical. Now, this is a statement that Ferenc said in a recent documentary, and you can see it on YouTube. Ferenc went on to say, quote, there are some people who do not trust the rule of law, and they prefer to use military power to achieve the goal, their goals as they decide, when they decide. That's led by the United States. War will make mass murderers out of otherwise decent people. It's inevitable whether they are Americans or they're Germans or anybody else, end quote. So again, the reason why this erasure of Ferenz's, um, you know, you know, of his reputation is so important is because it gives the wrong impression to future generations. You know, as I said, I tutor and I have several high school students that I tutor virtually and especially here in Missouri schools, they're learning nothing in terms of history. Okay, they're being taught that Reagan was a good guy, and they're, they don't even know about Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Sojourner Truth. They don't know about the Nuremberg trials. Seriously. So when they read this, they kind of go, what's the big deal? This whitewashes George W. Bush and makes him look like a hero when he wasn't. George W. Bush is, was, and continues to be a war criminal. And he should be brought to justice, the International Criminal Court, and tried for crimes against humanity. Period. 
he should also have to face crimes against the U.S. Constitution. And that includes every member of Congress that voted for that goddamn Patriot Act. They committed treason as far as I'm concerned. Okay? I know you're not supposed to cuss on air. You know what? I wish these people would worry more about obscene actions committed by people in power than, you know, words that they think are a little nasty. That level of mental incompetence is just too much for me to take. All righty. So now we're going to go on. All right, we've been going almost an hour. Now we're going to go to, um, you know, another article here. And uh, this one is, you know what, I'm going to wait on that one, okay? It, it, it's I We have our My Little Margie segment, and... You know, I was going to mention before then, well, I guess I'll say it real fast right now, okay? Um, by now, everybody's heard about the 60 Minutes interview that Diane Sawyer had with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is, again, my little Margie, tongue-in-cheek. And the interview was such a softball. You know, it just let Green spout off all sorts of inane nonsense, okay? And so 60 Minutes is getting ripped for it, and rightfully so. And Diane Sawyer should hang her head in shame, okay? If she's too cowardly to take on my little Margie, to take on Marjorie Taylor Greene, then she needs to just leave already, all right? Uh, so this is an article, so we will do it, actually. We have time. Um, but from a group called Uproxx. Uh, it's written by Kimberly Ricci, who is a film and TV editor. The headline is 60 Minutes is Getting Ripped for profiling Marjorie Taylor Greene, and it's probably not helping that MTG seems to be emboldened by it. And of course she's emboldened by it. Um, you know, this is, once again, so 60 Minutes, which again used to be a somewhat serious show, um, they promoted this interview and they tweeted, this is before the interview, okay, they ahead of time, they tweeted that Marjorie Taylor Greene, quote, isn't afraid to share her opinions, no matter how intense and in-your-face they are, end quote. Okay, 60 Minutes producers failed to mention that Marjorie Taylor Greene is racist, anti-Semitic. She is a neo-Confederate that has been pushing succession. You can read my article in BuzzFlash about that and Nation of Change. Um, she is a neo-Nazi, but it's not hard to figure out. And 60 Minutes producers reduced it to the fact that Green isn't afraid to share her opinions and that her opinions are intense and in your face. Can you imagine producers from 60 Minutes back in the day saying something similar about Adolf Hitler? Okay. And on screen during the interview, Diane Sawyer let Green repeat these conspiracy theories, these, these dumb lies. Okay, Green likened Democrats to pedophiles. Okay, slandered them right there on air. She also declared that, and I'm going to try to imitate her, Democrats support even Joe Biden. The president himself supports children being sexualized and having transgender sex surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children, end quote. Really? So, 
Um, and I'm sorry, I said Diane Sawyer. My bad. Um, it wasn't Diane Sawyer. Oh, yeah, it, it was Diane Sawyer. Excuse me. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Diane Sawyer. I'm tired. It was Leslie Stahl. Forgive me. Okay, I did this really last minute. So it was Leslie Stahl that did it, um, and she gave Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I apologize to Diane Sawyer. Leslie Stahl did this, and she gave basically this nut job, this neo-Nazi, this neo-successionist, a big platform, and then she didn't push back. Okay, um, here, we're going to give you a little right now. That's it. Now, that's what 52 years in journalism teaches her. What was Stahl thinking? Okay. What was she thinking? So, again, I apologize about Diane Sawyer with Leslie Stahl. I'm tired. Okay. What was 60 Minutes thinking? Seriously. They just gave her this. You know, here, Aaron Rupar also tweeted this. Okay, you get the drift here. So Andrew, Aaron Rupar is pointing it out. Like, Stahl just kind of said, they're not pedophiles. Why are you saying that? And then she lets Marjorie Taylor Greene keep running with these lies when she should have said, Congresswoman Greene, you know, unless you have some proof, that's a lie, and this interview has ended. That's it. Instead, she let this woman just keep going and going and going. And Leslie Stahl let her get away with it. Okay. It's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. So, again, not Sawyer, Leslie Stahl. But 60 minutes. I'm done with them, okay? I wasn't really watching too much anymore. But when you let a neo-Nazi, a neo-successionist like Marjorie Taylor Greene sit there and continue to tell defamatory lies, not only defamatory, but... Green is whooping up the lynch mob, calling all Democrats pedophiles and groomers, okay? In the Old South, that is no different than when somebody wanted to basically lynch a black man or a black child. So they said, mm, that, you know, end person, he went after your woman. He raped your woman, and nothing happened, Okay. That's what Green is doing. It's the same lynch mob mentality. She knows she's lying. She may be crazy. She may be stupid, but she's not that crazy. So now we're leading into our little My Little Margie segment. Give me a second here. Here we go. <laughs> My little Margie! 
The Trials of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Idiot extraordinaire in the U.S. Congress, courtesy of the GOP of Trump. And here comes my little Margie's daddy. Okay, there we go. My little Margie. Now, you got to remember, when we talk about my little Margie, you know, it, it's easy to make fun of her. Okay? I mean, look at the woman's, and again, I probably shouldn't slut shame, and I probably shouldn't uh, make fun of a woman's appear, appearance, and normally I would never do that. But she's such a vile excuse for a human being, I can't help it. I mean, you just have to look at a picture of her and just kind of go, she has that you know, brain dead look and that, that what is it, uh, eyebrow ridge of either, was it Cro-Magnon or Neanderthal? I forget. And then she always wears these sleeveless dresses and you see these big guns on her. Now, Michelle Obama's got some great looking guns, but her still look like a woman's guns. You know, Green's ones, I mean, they look like a dude, seriously. I mean, what, is she on roids? Is she taking male hormones? What? No one knows. But, you know, again, it's when she opens that stupid mouth of hers. Now, here she's being criticized, and this is some factual stuff now, by none other than uh, GOP Senator Lindsey Graham, who is hardly, you know, somebody that defends democracy. Uh, This is an article in Politico, and it was written by Kelly Garrity. It was published the 16th the other day. Uh, The headline is, Lindsey Graham slams Marjorie Taylor Greene for defending leak of classified documents. He branded her remarks as, quote, one of the most irresponsible statements you could make, end quote. And it is, okay? And this is dealing with the fact that there was a leak of classified documents online, and the guy who did it is someone named Jack Tixiera. And basically, this is a guy, he's in the, he's 21 years old, in the National Guard, Okay, and here's what our little Margie had to say about this guy that leaked classified documents. I'm going to imitate her again. Jack Tixier is white, male, Christian, and anti-war. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Ask yourself. Who is the real enemy? A young, low-level National Guardsman or the administration that is waging war in Ukraine, a non-NATO nation against nuclear Russia without war powers, end quote. The last part was, you know, she was asked about Tixiera's arrest Thursday, last Thursday. Now, she's made, our Margie's made so many stupid statements, but the first one is right there in front. Yes, he's white, male, and Christian. All right, he is. And then she adds anti-war. Since when is somebody who's anti-war in the National Guard? I'd like to know, okay? I mean, you know, what? Then she thinks Hitler was a friend to the Jews? You know, if she thinks that, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn. I can sell her really cheap. Uh, But Lindsey Graham denounced Green's comment, called it irresponsible. And he went on to say on ABC's This Week, quote, There are military members serving today from Georgia and other places who are less safe because of what this airman did. 
There is no justification for this, and any member of Congress to suggest it's okay to leak classified information because you agree with the cause is terribly irresponsible and puts America in serious danger, end quote. Now, when you unpack Graham's uh, comment, you know, you could say the same thing about, you know, Bradley Chelsea Manning, now Chelsea Manning. I think there is room that when you're being asked to follow an illegal order, you know, you shouldn't follow it. I think there is room for whistleblowing when there is, you know, basically when when what the military officials want to do is clearly illegal or a crime against humanity. Make no mistake about it. Um, You know, I think there's room for whistleblowers. That being said, however, this young man... Um, did it because he wanted to build more of an audience for himself online, some sort of group called Discord. Uh, he's a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. Um, he was charged with unauthorized retention and transmission of classified national defense information in a court, Boston court on Friday. And, you know, this has implications for Ukrainians on the battlefield. It has accordingly, quote, frustrated several U.S. allies. Again, it's documented by Politico. Um, And Graham said the following, Lindsey Graham, quote, there's information about the air defense capability of the Ukraine, and everybody in the region is really worried because who wants to share information with the United States if you're going to read about it in the paper or find it on the Internet? This has done a lot of damage to us in the region, unquote. And up to a point, I agree with Lindsey Graham on this. But, you know, once again, when we're making fun of my little Margie again, how in the hell can she call this dude anti-war when he's in the freaking National Guard? Unbelievable. But, you know, as usual, reality is not part of our little Margie's DNA, you know? And and I know she'll get mad at me, and I, I swear if you're listening, you know, Margie, let me. I will try to contain my Jewish space lasers coming from my eyeballs. I mean, that's how insane it is. But once again, that's what's going on with our little Margie. So we are going to um, play it a little more. And that, here we go. And that is our segment of My Little Margie. Oh, Margie, what will she do next? You know, who knows? Bye-bye! Okay. So there we have that. Okay. Now we go to our last part here. And I'm going to get ready here because we're going to do next. We have a twofer here. You know, normally we have... um, our despicable list of infamy, but we also have our Jackass of the Week Award. And this week it's a twofer because this new initiate both both was initiated into our despicable list of infamy and has won our very famous Jackass of the Week Award. So we're going to skip ahead to our lovely friend Jack. Here we go. We're waiting, waiting. Welcome to PNN's Jackass of the Week Award, Rayon, Rayon Jack. 
Okay. So here we go. This new person is reported by Mediaite. The new initiate for the despicable list of infamy and our jackass of the week award is Republican congressman from Florida, Matt Gates. Rock on, Matt. So according to Mediaite, there's an article written by Candace Ortiz. The headline is, Matt Gates goes on unhinged rant about Louisville shooting, declares Democrats and Big Pharma are unleashing the crazies as shock troops to kill Americans. Let's see if we can play this little audio here. Give me a minute. Oops. I can't get rid of the ad. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Here we go. Okay, that's enough of him. He's trying to sound very reasonable. But, you know, he's mentioning the shooting that took place, uh, uh, I guess it was last Monday. Or was it yesterday? Let me see. Last Monday. Uh, It's hard to keep track of all the shootings. Last Monday at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky, six people died, including the gunman. And so Matt Gates is making these comments on his own podcast, Firebrand with Matt Gates. All right. So, you know, once again, he's tying in psychosis and mind-altering medications and being dangerously mentally ill to the trans community. Okay. He went on to say, quote, the Democrats are telling the trans community that Republicans are coming after them and they need to defend themselves by killing people who don't agree with them, end quote. Okay, Mr. Gates, where in the H is your uh, is your freaking documentation? Where's your proof? Because if you can't prove this outrageous statement, you need to shut your damn pie hole. Okay? I'm not going to sound reasonable because what he's saying is nutty. Uh, anyway, you know, he goes on to talk about how the Democrats are, quote, purposely riling up their nutty shock troops in the hope in hopes that they will terrorize normal Americans into submission. And then he goes into what the way Rand Paul was assaulted. Rand Paul was assaulted by his neighbor over, I think it was yard waste. Uh, His neighbor, as far as I can tell, wasn't mentally ill. He was a successful professional person. In fact, he was an anesthesiologist. And he was a white man, white Christian. So I don't know what this man's talking about. The Bernie bro during the congressional baseball practice, I'm thinking that was the shooting of Representative Scalise, again, I was in the Bernie campaign. Nobody knew who this guy was. And he, apparently he claimed to be a volunteer. He wasn't paid staff. So once again, so what is Gates' solution? 
We take all the people we don't like in the trans community. We call them mentally ill, which they're not. We take the liberals. We call them mentally ill, which they're not. We call anybody we don't like mentally ill, which they're not. And we're not going to worry about actually their constitutional rights to a, an actual trial. We're just going to lock them up in the asylum forever. Because don't you know, quote, according to Gates, Quote, there is a permanent element of society that is dangerous, and it does not make us more just or more compassionate to have them walking amongst the rest of us, because you've seen the type of loss of life that you've seen too frequently from these acts of violence, end quote. Now, here's the thing. These acts of violence, these shootings were caused by the fact that any idiot, whether they're mentally ill or not, any criminal, any hothead, can get any weapon of war they want. Period. The problem is our Lucy Goose gun laws, which aren't consistent with the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment speaks to a well-regulated militia. That's the context. Okay? But once again, they want to just put us away. And, you know, these threats that Mr. Gates is offering... Again, it is not hyperbole to say they sound a whole lot like the lies that were told about Jews that Hitler pushed leading up to the Holocaust, put bluntly. So, once again, bring on Matt Gates, jackass of the week. You never sounded better, Matthew. Dumbass. Excuse my language. Actually, don't excuse my language. He is a nut job. All right. So now we're going to tie things together a little bit, some final thoughts. And, you know, the final thoughts very simply are this. These stories have a common thread. They have propaganda. They have censorship. All to benefit the various bigotries of white Christian nationalists. White Christian nationalists that hate communities of color that hate religious minorities, that hate the LGBTQ community, especially the trans community, and they want to basically lock all the people up that they hate into de facto concentration camps that Gates happens to call asylums. That's it. And they're doing the same thing the Nazis did leading up to the Holocaust by passing laws that are clearly unconstitutional that censor our libraries, censor our schools, that uh, basically outlaw freedom of speech upon pain of jail time, actually, like in Missouri, that deny the choices of whether or not you need or want gender-affirming care. There's no guesswork here. And this is not done by accident. It is by design. You know, um, there's another Dominion besides Dominion Voting Company. It's called Dominionist. And these are generally white Christian nationalists and they despise democracy. They want a theocracy, a white Christian theocracy. They want biblical law, the old kind, where basically, you know, if you commit adultery, you're stoned to death. Uh, women would have no rights. The LGBTQ community would have no rights. These people are dangerous. Now, they can have their religious liberty. If you want to be, a, a, in general, a religious fundamentalist, be it. I don't care. But you have no right as a religious fundamentalist to force your way on everyone else. That's where it stops. You know, and it's just that simple. And those of us that believe in democracy, we need to fight for it. 
we need to basically understand that the GOP is going along with this because, again, and, and corporate Democrats are to some degree too, because corporate interests love dictatorship. And think about what religious fundamentalism is. It's a dictatorship. You don't have any rights. You do what you're told, and somebody who claims to be a leader somehow magically knows what the Almighty wants done. How do they know this? Seriously. And I consider myself to be a person of faith. But to me, faith is a guideline, not a blinders. So once again, that's our segment for today. It should have run yesterday. Um, You know, I had to kind of roll through this quickly. Again, I apologize about the Diane Sawyer thing. It wasn't Diane Sawyer. It was Leslie Stahl that gave that asinine Marjorie Taylor Greene a sounding board. Shame on 60 Minutes. Shame on Leslie Stahl. That level of cowardice has to stop. Okay? Um, Anyway, that's our show. I hope you learned something from it. Um, We're going to be back again next Sunday uh, talking about any host of things. Uh, And with that, I say good day and whatever you believe in. God bless us because we're going to need it.